You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Pru. Once again, it's me, Michael Pincus, from MichaelPincusWineReview.com, and I'm in the studio all by my lonesome. In fact, I'm all by my lonesome in the country this time. Last time we spoke to Andre, he was in Saskatchewan, Regina, actually, the city that rhymes with fun. But today, he is actually completely out of the country and in the car. Andre, are you there? Andre, are you there? I am. I am Andre Pru from AndreWineReview.ca, and I am currently en route from Seattle to Oregon, to Portland. A city that does not rhyme with fun. No. Portland rhymes with Schmortland. Very nice. Yes, a great place to be also, Schmortland. That's uh, Schmortland, Ohio, I think. But uh, I've actually just come back from a couple of days of power tasting in the Okanagan. So let's talk about that for uh, for a bit. I know you, uh, you're you on your data plan, so we're going to keep this one as short and tight as we possibly can. This is your first time in British Columbia, am I, not, am I correct on that? It is my first time in, uh, well, first time in the Okanagan to do uh, wine tasting. Okay. And what were your impressions and, of what's going on? Uh, there's a lot of really exciting things going on. It's actually just interesting to see... Uh, there are certain parallels between what's happening in the, the Okanagan and in Ontario, especially in the north. So we started out in the north, like there's a bunch of wineries right close to, uh, right close to Kelowna. Yep. And um, really great white wines, uh, some interesting stuff being done with red wines, but it still just feels like, especially in the north, people are just trying to figure out what they're going to do, what they're going to hang their hat on. And okay. as we got further south... We got to some more, much more established places, and there are some impressive facilities down there. Give me a, a few places that impressed you the most. Um, well, in the north, in the north, we stopped at, at Ann Sperling's place, uh, and there are some really special sparkling wines that are going to be coming out of there. But I did end up leaving that winery with a bottle of Chardonnay in hand. Her Chardonnay and Pinot Noir are both stunning from that winery, but. Uh, she actually makes a very good Marichal Foch. Uh, unfortunately, but go on. Um, and we also stopped at a, a small winery that, uh, we stopped at a small winery called The Hatch. And, uh, we have a former Niagara transplant out there, Grayson, who used to work at Mike Weir, is, uh, manning the bottles at, at that shop. And they're doing, like, super small quantities. The, the winery's run by a bunch of people, like, my age... The labels are all like jokes or taking digs at other producers, just sort of being like, hey, we're here, pay attention to us, deal with our sense of humor. And I mean, the most important thing, the wines are good and pretty well priced. Doesn't doesn't he have also a relationship with uh, Stony Ridge and Jeff Huntermark? Uh, I believe it's Jeff Huntermark's son. Oh, well, there you go. I understand you have a passenger in your car. Am I correct on that? Oh, yes. I'm traveling with my uh, girlfriend, Anya who uh, also takes the many pictures that uh, I post, especially while I'm traveling. Because you're not a good picture taker. Is that what you're admitting? Um, yeah. Actually, that's pretty pretty true. <laughs> <laughs> so we have, we have an audience of one at least this time, which makes me happy. So you want to pick Yay. another couple? You got to pick another couple places in the north? Maybe Anya would like to tell us what she liked. As a, as a lay person, not somebody who is part of the wine industry. Oh, yeah. So um, we went to Inkamit in Osoyoos, and 
they had a couple of really good wines. The Dreamcatcher, which is a white blend, and it was like just so stellar. Uh, flavors were really great. The acidity was still there, even though it gets so hot there. And they oh, don't just, don't don't uh, Anya, don't try to be an Andre. Just give me what you really <laughs> like. You don't have to give me the full review. It was so good. <laughs> it was just so good. Like what Andre, did it taste like? Andre, no, no, she doesn't have to tell me what it tastes like. She just has to tell me what... But it tasted like Riesling. It was awesome because it was made of Riesling, but Andre could not guess the grapes that were in this wine. Wow, Andre. I had no idea what was in, in Dreamcatcher. It was just this, like, big aromatic bomb, but, like, there was no floral qualities. It was all, like, borderline tropical fruit. Like, I don't know. It was almost like an orange Julius. There was just so much going on. Was there something that totally surprised you? Like, wow, I can't believe they're growing this grape in the Okanagan, or they're making wine from this particular grape, or that they're using this technique to make wine? Nope. I mean, it's, it's all fairly typical. The thing that, like, I, I went out here expecting, and obviously looking for really great Bordeaux varietals, and I mean, we stopped at places like Black Hills, Osoyuz La Rose, uh, Burrowing Owl, I mean, places that are known for the big red wines, but... I fell in love with BC uh, Syrah. It's just these, these big, fruity, smoky, black currant, black licorice, um, high alcohol. I mean, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but I mean, it warms you right to your core, and it it, it just makes you feel good when you're drinking it. I know when I was there, and believe it or not, it was about seven or eight years ago now. I keep saying five, but I know it's a little longer than that. I was surprised that they were growing Zinfandel. Well, we only saw that in a couple of places, and... No place we visited is vinifying it on its own. No place is vinifying it on its own? No. Oh, because I remember uh, Inneskillen uh, was once doing it on its own. I know that uh, Jackson Triggs out there is making it into a blend, but uh, Inneskillen, I, I may still have a bottle of uh, an older vintage of the Zin, but they were doing it on their own, part of their Discovery series or something. So uh, you probably also want to talk about how the local uh, industry is so well represented in restaurants so just to backtrack one step when i said none of the places we visited were vinifying zinfandel on on its own we did see it in a couple of places working its way into into blends yeah as i said as i said uh in a skillin uh we used to do it on its own but i guess they're still not they're still not making those as a discovery series or maybe they are i'm not sure did you make your way to in we did not make our way to, to in uh, and actually, one more thing before we move on to the local support. So we were the first to taste the new vintage of the, the 2013 version of Le Grand Vin from Asoyuz La Rose. And uh, uh, it's the best vintage I've ever tasted of the wine. It's concentrated. It's it's rich. It's well put together. The, the tannin is obviously still tight. I mean, everyone in the valley who's making Bordeaux-style wines almost laugh at the fact that Asoyuz La Rose are making wines to drink 10 years down the road. This is definitely something to buy and hold. It's got a new label. This is something we need to be really excited about when it hits the shelves. Did you also get to try uh, Laughing Stock? Yes, we tried Laughing Stock. And Laughing Stock, they're also making incredible wines. But uh, where Osiris La Rose is really an old world vision being brought to the Okanagan, uh, Laughing Stock, I find, is a marriage of Bordeaux and kind of a more new world side. These wines are very fruit forward, uh, they're definitely something you can age but they're very approachable from the beginning. And they actually have two labels. Um, 
the uh, portfolio, which is excellent. It's, a, it's amazing. But I actually got to try their Blind Trust, which is their second wine. And it's only like 27 bucks out here. And it is, it's, it's in the same league as their portfolio. Like, it's almost crazy that these wines are, uh, are, are, are priced so far apart. So we probably won't see it at the LCBO, but if you can get out here or get in touch with the people at Laughingstock, you need to try Blind Trust. So I don't know if the news made its way out to you, but supposedly the premiers of BC and Ontario have signed a new agreement. Did you hear about that? <laughs> uh, I actually had a chance to sit with uh, Sandra Oldfield of uh, Tinhorn Creek, and she may be the only person on the planet more opinionated than you, Michael. <laughs> I can't believe it. Uh, but I mean, every, like, I think we've seen a couple of people out here who were a little lukewarm when we talked to the winemaker David at Tantalus. He seemed fairly lukewarm and, 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 and hopeful that this is going to get the flow of wine from BC to Ontario a little bit easier. But I mean, Sandra was saying that she doesn't really see this changing much of anything. I mean, it's still going to be run through the LCBO, which in adds another layer of bureaucracy to something that should literally be a transaction between the consumer and, and a farmer. I, I totally agree with her. But uh, it's nice to oh, say, well, obviously, what the premiers are trying to do is they are trying to, uh, I guess, get ahead of what's happening in New Brunswick. And uh, maybe when you get back, we should talk about that, because I think that's a huge, huge issue. There's so many issues that we, we definitely need to talk about. I mean, I want to touch on it a little bit, but I'd certainly like to get it onto it more in depth because this is more like it was a positive experience out in BC and tasting the wineries, but also in, infuriating because we even uh, ate at a couple of, uh, stopped by a couple of little pubs. Like we're not talking about five-star restaurants by no means in Kelowna. Everybody has BC wine by the glass. It is not a rarity here. The support for the local industry is... I, I've never seen anything like it. And talking to the people who run these wineries is um, people who are talking to these wineries, me, people who are, are, are working at these wineries and trying to sell these bottles. I mean, they, they say they have no issue selling to Vancouver. Like, if you're running a restaurant in Vancouver and you don't have BC wine, you like that, that's a big faux pas out here in BC. That has not changed in, in eight years, and, and that is great to see. Because I remember going into, uh, like, a tiny little Chinese restaurant uh, in Kelowna, uh, or in, I can't even remember which, where it was, but, but I mean, and they had BC wine and you very rarely will see uh, a high end uh, Ontario wine in say a Chinese or an Italian or a, any kind of ethnic restaurant. Uh, whereas there it's almost, as you said, a faux pas not to have a British Columbia wine and a, and a good selection of them. I'm starting to really wonder, and, and I mean, this is something I, I, we do need to sit down with some people in the city. I know we've started bringing guests onto this podcast, but people need to be put on, on notice. Like, where did we go wrong in Ontario? Because even in Washington, like last night we ate a, at a, a small restaurant uh, right on the pier, by no means a fancy restaurant, like just a fish and chips joint. So local seafood, locally sourced seafood, and their wine list, their entire by the glass wine list was Washington State. Washington State only makes 4% of all American wines, and these restaurants are still serving Washington wine in Seattle. And you, and you gave me a number by email uh, earlier this week about how much BC wine stays in British Columbia. You want to give that to everybody? And this was anecdotal, but I have no problem believing this, is that they say that 90% of the wine made in the Okanagan actually stays in the valley. It's drank before it gets out of the valley. I, I believe it. Yeah, they're, they're very supportive of their of their wine industry, their restaurants are. And you're right, uh, Ontario is just 
so far behind, so prohibition era, so afraid of putting Ontario on their wine lists that it, um, it, it, it kind of freaks me out, in fact, that we are well, so it, far it, behind the rest of the world and the rest of the winemaking world. Yeah. Andre, I, I guess, uh, do you have anything more that you want to wrap up your trip with, or should we wrap up the podcast? You know what? I think we should touch base when I get back, because we are en route to, to Oregon to do some tasting. And it has been interesting to see there, there's a lot of Oregon wines on the shelves once we cross the border. We, we dipped into a couple of wine shops in Seattle. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what's going on down here. And Oregon are kind of the third place in the American market as far as production goes, but they only make 1% of the total market for American wines. So let's see if this is, uh, let, let's see what's going on here. And they and they make some excellent wine in Oregon too. I, I've tried uh, uh, quite a few and I've really, really enjoy them. They seem to have uh, Pinot, uh, the Pinots down, let's call Pinot Noir and uh, need I say Pinot Gris. Uh, that's, that's what I've been hearing. Let's, Go see what's going on. We're going to put it to the test with you, I guess. And Andre, one last thing before I let you go. I understand you were at the very first Starbucks location. Am I correct? (laughs) Yes, we were at the the Starbucks at Pike Place Market. Uh, It was a zoo. um, (laughs) And they still don't know how to spell people's names properly. (laughs) And I understand that was mostly for Anya. She must be a coffee drinker. Um, actually, we have a bunch of coffee drinkers in the family. We had to buy some mugs and stuff. They have some really nice stuff down at the sh- down at the shop. Um, yeah, we we had to pick up a coffee mug for my mother. And just <laughs> just to get Anya's take on the Starbucks location, how was that, Anya? Uh, it was like any other Starbucks without food. Very interesting. All right. Well, um, Andre, would you like to say goodbye before I wrap it all up? Let's say a thank you to our very special guest, Anya, my my faithful wine drinking companion. And uh, you can find all of my information and everything at andrewinereview.ca, at andrewinereview on social media. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. Uh, Andre, uh, it was great talking to you. I'm Michael Pincus, the Grape Guy, from michaelpincuswinereview.com. You can find me on social media at The Grape Guy and on Facebook uh, as Michael Pincus. Andre, you have a safe trip. Drive careful because, as people may not know, you're in your car at this time. That's right. Thank you. Goodbye. Drive careful. Good night. Thank you for listening. You can subscribe at twoguystalkingwine.com.